What are we doing tonight? This is it. This is the podcast, man. We're we're we're, we're yeah, this is people like listening to us just hang out. Yeah, we're just hanging out. This is how it uh, is nowadays, man. I have I mean, not received. Is, I haven't received anything yet. I've said this is what we should do since the beginning, so I'm good with that. Yeah, I don't care. It's uh, the underground, baby. Here is hanging out. Just listen to us talk about conspiracy theories and shit. Yeah. Yo, did you guys see that Harrison Ford movie? Yeah, the Indiana Jones one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen the an what? Indiana Jones movie, but I did oh, see that one. The, the fucking, like, Hug Your Parents Now movie? Yes, I saw it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. about that. <laughs> you go first. All right, let's get, a, let's, get, let's get an actual intro going here. Welcome to Podcast X, episode 38. Um, I am your host, Ben Kendrick. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Hello, I'm here. I'm still a little sick, but doing better. Well, and you went on vacation. Do you have a nice vacation? Uh, I did, man. It was nice to get the kids out, especially my little guy, because he's a COVID baby, and this is the first time he's been like oh, in a cool. long-distance road trip into, you know, to an Airbnb cottage sort of situation, so it was really yeah. fun to get them out there, even though... As you guys now know, as parents, especially Kofi having two, yeah, man, it's a it's a fucking nightmare to organize anything when you're traveling with two little ones, right? So, I can imagine uh, it was yeah. tough to get anything done, just like going to the beach or putting them to bed. Everything's tough, you know what I mean? And it's like yeah. <laughs> it's so much work that like we just fall asleep with the kids like eight or nine, and we do nothing. We don't watch movies, we don't go out, we do nothing. So <laughs> it's just like play all day, wake up early, and try to survive. Which is you know that's how it is with young younglings. <laughs> What a relaxing vacation. Yeah, yeah. Um, sounds good, though. Uh, and special guest Kofi Outlaws here, as usual. And I leave for vacation on Sunday. Nice. Oh, nice. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, nice. You fucking assholes. You're like, you're like, it's murder. Oh, oh yeah, great. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so much fun. No, it's good to get away from work. Keep, you guys all know that. I'm yeah. going to keep playing this Zelda. Uh, let's get into it. <laughs> okay uh this week we're talking about indiana jones 5 which opened over the course of the last weekend um and we i think we're also going to talk kind of about like what is going on with the box office because there's been a series of movies in a row that we've enjoyed i don't know how you guys feel about indiana jones yet but i mean we enjoyed rise of the beast we enjoyed the flash there was you know pixar movies elemental dropping all these things just like not hitting box office expectations there's a lot of kind of dumb theories about why this is rolling around, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about what's really going on. Oh my god, um, we're, we're doing this! Oh, yeah, let's shit. do it. I wrote a whole <laughs> article on this man. It's real simple. I wrote an article that, of course, you know, yeah, I'm sure nobody saw. Thank you, comic books, but it's called <laughs> movie theaters. <laughs> Like movie theaters demand is not is not coming back or just is not coming back or something like that. And it's basically just like a reality check. So here's the deal. Now, everybody else is like started to sound like a goddamn genius since I've already said this, which is the story of this whole goddamn industry in some ways, you know, that we were just talking about behind the scenes. But uh, yeah, 2023 
because some of us actually keep track of the story. 2023, back when we had the pandemic, everybody didn't want to believe it. We kept saying, no, 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 we'll bounce back before that. We don't want to think about that. But when we fucking started that pandemic, people were like, uh, real analysts, real analysts were like, yeah, it's going to be like 2023 before we fucking get back to like where we were. And everybody, yeah. and we had to do that. So this was that summer. So we get back to a regular summer and we're like, oh, like, yeah, we're back, baby. Movies, content. But it's just like, right, we have to, and I and I want to file this under my ongoing series, my lifetime series, uh, my current live performance, which is called Stop Fucking Pretending We Didn't Have a Pandemic when, by uh, Kofi Outlaw. Anyway, so in this installment of Stop Fucking Pretending We Didn't Have a Pandemic, yeah, tastes change during the pandemic in a way that is never going back. We have too many goddamn movies in theaters. It's simple as economics. Supply is too great. Demand is too low. And now you're seeing movies falter when movies, even though those movies have, I mean, at worst, middling critical scores and mostly across the board, very high or above average audience scores for the people that see them. So you just had a May to June window. I was just recounting this for an average person today. Like who was like, Oh yeah, fuck. I can't do all that. Like fast X little mermaid cross the spider verse transformers, the flash Indiana Jones. I'm probably forgetting some shit in there. Um, a lot of those overlapping demographics, right? Like uh, how many parents, the parent and like some parents aren't aren't like who's still a first week I gotta get hard for getting the opening weekend person. Those that crowd is so small now. Like that's that's such a small percentage of people. The truth yeah. is the pandemic changed shit so drastically, none of us want to be fucking crammed in like sardines in a movie theater together anymore, dealing with fucking loud ass people and shit like that. It's yeah. safer in, or, or shot or whatever the fuck. Like it's so much safer in so many ways to just wait till like week two or week three to go fucking see some shit. And nobody's that pressed to do it because it doesn't first week openings do not rule our lives anymore. The movie industry really had us fooled thinking like going to the theater every week was the hobby, right? That's the thing in itself. Now it's more realistic now in a, in the real expanded world of entertainment it's more like concert going and this is what i put in the article is the crux of it like movie tastes are now like concerts right you don't go to like your fucking concert venue in town and go okay i'm buying a ticket for every week like whatever the fuck's here i'm gonna see it like no you look at a fucking concert schedule and you're like this year i want to see like these like maybe four tops concerts these are the ones I want to spend my dollars on the co- the high cost of concert going. And I'm going to love this shit. That's how it is with movies. Now that's how people are. And they're smart because they don't have to, because the flash just bombs in theaters. But guess what? In two weeks from us speaking right now, <laughs> and it's been two weeks since like the flash <laughs> came out. It's only been two weeks in like, or so in like in two more weeks, the flash is now going to be on max. Right. Yeah, and we all got to go back and refresh all our fucking articles from a month ago, and just be like, here for all the fucking new wave and the much bigger wave of people who will be seeing this movie and fucking then acting like it's time to weigh in on it. And so this is changing for us too, and like the waves in which we got to cover this shit. And like, 
yeah, it's just nuts, but it's never going back. And you put too many movies out. Nobody has the fucking money to do this or the, or the care. Like, and it's not like they hate the movies either. They're, they're smart consumers. Yeah. The Flash and Transformers are a great example because those were the two most skippable in theaters that you could say, I can wait a couple, just a couple weeks and see that on streaming because both of them are just franchise continuations, right? They're not yeah. like things you had to see in a theater for any particular reason. They might've looked good and been really solidly made, but like you didn't, there was not a theatrical spectacle you had to see. It's something you didn't have to experience either one of those with a crowd, like at the same time, like it, it, it's something you could skip and there were all, more to the point. There was already movies to fucking go see. Fast X was the first fucking movie out. That was a big blockbuster franchise continuation of the summer. And people are still like going to see these shits over. It's now like the nineties, right? It's like three, four, five, six weeks. This should be now part of the conversation again, because that's shit matters. That's when people are finally like, you know what? I'm going to go see that spider verse movie. Like right now there are people saying that like on another wave of people. Oh, I've heard yeah. enough about this first movie. I'm going to go see that. And it's like, or people are, I mean, look at Elemental, which is just quietly creeping along, doing this thing. Like, just slow and steady making a crowd. Yeah. <laughs> it's more, as McDonald's sells more Happy Meals and all that shit and gets kids on, into, like, Elemental, people are corralling in the theater. So, it's a different game, and you put out too much shit this year. And their people are are savvy about what they can skip, and you're gonna, just going to serve it to them on Paramount Plus or Max, in like fucking four to six weeks. It's not, and they're willing to wait that long because they're willing to wait that long to see theatrical movies. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. weird. I think, I mean, you're, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just like you know, I mean, throughout the pandemic, people bought nice TVs, they bought nice sound systems, everybody got used to streaming everything, and it's, I don't know, I mean, I. Like, obviously, we see a lot of movies because we cover this stuff and we go to press screenings and everything. But I I invite people to press screenings with me to go. And it's like a lot of people aren't even excited to go see a movie early right now. Like, you know, they'll be like, oh, I saw a movie last week. It's People just aren't trying to go sit in a theater a week after. Like, I remember when we were doing this a long time ago, back in the old Screen Rant days, it's like all our listeners were there. They saw one movie a week, two movies a week. They saw whatever came out. That's why, you know, when we would do so many reviews on the podcast, like people were really engaged with that stuff because everybody was seeing these movies and like it was part of their weekly routine to hit up a Thursday night screening or something. And now I just, I don't know. I feel like I know a lot of people who love movies and I do not feel like a lot of them are like taking their kids over to go see a movie or you know, they're like trying to organize like a date night so that they can go see the flash. Like they're just waiting, just like you said, you know, they that wait a month terrible. and they get to see them. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but seriously, I haven't been on a date night to see a movie and I don't think I would anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's too much to do with my time. Yeah. That's it. Cause like also, especially if you know, you're gonna be able to see that movie in a month after it releases, like what's the incentive? Like, I don't, I don't think a lot of people outside of, you know, people like us that are like covering it or like really care whether they see the flash in IMAX or on a big screen at the end of the day, they just like want to know what happens. And so they'll watch that, you know, like they're just, instead of watching two episodes of the Witcher on a 
Thursday night at some point. Yeah. Um, it's a bummer because like there is a lot, you know, about that I enjoyed about that sort of weekly cadence of going and seeing like a big screen adventure it, and stuff. Well, but. people talk, texted and shot their way up and <laughs> coughed. Yeah, that's true. So fuck yeah. all that now. I've yeah. had people putting their feet through the seats, their bare, uncovered feet. <laughs> like people are just animals and it just <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. And and stop and fucking hold up, hold up. See, sometimes I miss that other guy that used to be on the other show that would fucking yell at you at these points. You know, you whistle. You do not fucking slave into going with the normies to screenings. No, for sure, for sure. No, no, no. The most you were describing is press screenings where they let normies <laughs> in, and that's like your biggest stress. It's like, true. Yeah. It's been this way for decades. Like you don't, you don't. Fucking it's true. I the last movie that I yeah, I mean, to your point, the last movie that I paid for was Ant Man, Quantum Mania, wow. and that was only because like. I just I, I don't know I missed my press screening or so I can't even remember what what the deal was that week like I, I think maybe we had like doctor's appointments or something that week so just like didn't make it to my press screening but yeah I mean I'm not I'm not trying to make it sound like I I hit up a uh, is that the last one uh, oh yeah, my god I, I mean whatever I, yeah I, your kid, yeah your your daughter's still too young yeah you're not going to the fucking theater right now fuck out of here I know. I'm <laughs> exclusively a peasant like I own the I pay for all my movies you know what I mean I, I don't get these early press screenings where I live but uh, so I, I'm one with the people although I intentionally because like Kobe said I don't do date nights at all my wife and I haven't watched a movie together in five years even at home um, so I just, just go by myself awesome, and. Man. Much else. It, well, it's just kids. Like, who's going to take care of the kids? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's just like it's in a timing. And when like, you and when you have kids asleep, like, there's so much else you need to do with fucking two hours before. Yeah, like fucking sleep, episode, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch an episode uh, of the Bear It'd be like so much better. Oh, like, good call. Like, yeah, so thirty minutes. That, that's sorry, a good. No, I was going to circle back to what you're saying. I, I think everything you're saying is true. It's a culmination of so many factors, and it's funny if you go pre-pandemic. There's a lot of discussion about. The idea of event movies and premium charges for those going back to those, and we talked about this back on the Screaming Underground days. Remember, like it was like was it Spielberg J.J. Abrams and Spielberg talking about like the premium event movies that are fifty uh, bucks? You could also watch it. it was, no, Spielberg. It was a Spielberg and Lucas. I think it was about time of when was Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. Actually, ironically, that's right. That's right. It's right. Right. And then Abrams brought up the idea of like the the fifty dollar watch at home sort of thing, which funny enough ended up happening during the pandemic. Um, yep. But anyways, like also fast forward a few years later, just pre pandemic, you know, we're in the era of Avengers Endgame. And, you know, years after avatar and it's like event movies were taking over and we, the three of us and many others had so many discussions about how the mid tier and mid budget films were eradicated. They were replaced by this like super accelerated growth of premium cable and streaming shows. We had award winning movie talent and back in the day you were a movie star or a TV star. It wasn't too much crossover. You made the jump and that was it, but now you had Halle Berry on TV and you had, you know, then you had Hugh McGregor doing like Fargo or whatever, like it, it all changed. Um, and then with the pandemic coming out of that, there's this extreme race to return to exhibition. And you see the big theme of CinemaCon. It's like, and now movie trailers, every single one ends with exclusively in theaters on July 20th. You know what I mean? It's crazy. They had to push that part of it. Um, and because of that, and because of this catch up, coming out of the pandemic we have, and we talked about this when we talked about the most anticipated films of 2023. And I remember going through screen rants list and all of our sites have lists like this. We had like 35 or 40 movies or something. And every single one back when the three of us started the screen rant, like 
these were all like major franchise releases. These were all big genre fare or like big director movies like Chris Nolan. It, it's actually on paper. If you just look at the properties, if we circle back 10, 15 years ago, it is the biggest year of movie titles ever. But given everything you're saying and it being so oversaturated because of that, we have fundamentally normalized event and genre fare. So now you have you have to not just be big. You have to be great. You have to be trendy to, to be a meme on TikTok. You have to be really, really big. And, and you have to appear that way in a way busier streaming environment, a busier gaming environment, and the busiest and messiest social media environment ever. We joked up front in our messy intro about all these social media networks. We didn't, we didn't even talk about the TikTok of it all, right? This is what you're, you're fighting for attention for. So to Ben's point, where people are just like, you see a big movie, it's okay. It's not great. You see the flash. Like why, why would you get excited to go back to the theater next week to see the next thing? It's yeah. not good enough to be a six or a seven out of 10 movie. This is go back to my problem. And I always harp on this with Disney plus all the Disney plus content. Um, that's like Marvel or star Wars with a few exceptions is like just okay. And that's not good enough. So the same thing we're seeing in theaters, we're seeing on streaming networks where there's an implosion. All these big budget movies are losing money theatrically. Then they're going to come out, there's going to be fast track to social media, sorry, fast track to streaming networks that are losing money and also imploding. We just saw Disney Plus remove Crater. Seven weeks after launch, an original sci-fi film was just removed without warning from Disney Plus. Can you fucking believe that? They spent tens of millions of dollars on this movie and just erased it. You cannot buy this movie. You cannot watch it fucking anywhere. It's gone. And there's name actors in that and name writers. And do you know why? Because they want the tax write-offs in the midst of then negotiating with multiple unions. Everything is fucked, guys. So, like, we're going to see an implosion of streaming networks where they're going to reduce content, take away content, reduce costs. Output's going to reduce. Some of them are going to merge or disappear. We're already seeing a bit of that on the merger front. You're seeing big budget movies failing, so you're going to see the return, hopefully, of more indie fare, more comedies, which I've seen very few comedies coming out outside of like Joyride and stuff. We can bring those back and lower budget horror films. So I'm hoping we get more auteur focused, um, you know, mid tier films again. Bring back the 40 and 50s barbarians. Bring the barbarians. Let the creators create. Fuck these 250 million dollar films. We're going to talk about Indiana Jones in a second here, but like. How the fu- – but this is not just a problem theatrical. It's a problem with streaming. You guys probably saw the uh, the craziness about that that big – the second most expensive TV show of all time on Amazon. It's called um, uh, Citadel, right? The big Rousseau's yeah. thing. Yeah. Giant fucking mess. They had two versions of it. It comes out – it costs 250 or $300 million. How the fuck does that ABC-looking wow. show cost $300 million? That's yeah. second oh. only to Lord of the Rings. Oh. It's like what the fuck God are you damn. doing? Because everybody's getting their money based on – Rousseau's made billions of dollars with the Avengers Endgame. But, bro, your 6 out of 10 shitty TV show about spies is not Avengers Endgame. So, like, they're all going to have to – At least the Gray Man, like, fucking sparked a real franchise. Citadel was dog shit. Yeah, Gray Man's okay. Yeah. I gave that shit a real push. I I covered those episodes, and it was fucking painful. Yeah. I I can't even – I haven't even watched it through. And there's so much content. Dude, between just catching up and stuff – and I've been watching so much fucking TV every week, and it's like I still am so behind. I have not watched The Bear Season 2. And we all know, you know what, what the shit was right right now. What's it, right now, what would you say the shit, like the shit TV show is like that you've seen in the last couple months? The shittiest one? No. Or like, you mean like the, the good the one? Shit. The good one, the shit. Like the good. Oh, uh, Silo was good. 
I Bam, Silo. there it is. My man, yeah. my man, fucking Silo. Yeah. That's right, baby. That was well, the I, answer. Yeah. I was telling Ben, I, yeah, yo, give me tips, Ben. Like, I, I was fucking oh, no, recommending sure. the show. I beat all 10 when I was sick before it came out. I was like, holy fuck, this is the show. Um, yeah, Silo. Silo, that was a proud sponsor of the uh, Hopefully Warm nice. Women. And now, <laughs> chart-topping Comic Book Nation. Yeah, like uh, Silo. But, uh, my man, that was the right answer. Yeah, Silo. That's the, that's the answer. It's fucking Apple does shit like with like Severance, Silo, all their S shows, Servant. Not like, just Apple, you know? FX. Every show, FX. Yeah, I just FX. started watching yep. watching Dave after watching The Bear. It's so oh man, everything I do is great. Where oh, uh, Dave's in the shadows. Oh, Dave season back. three was so good. Oh, Dave season three, and I mean Atlanta's over, but Dave season three. I was like Dave the first two seasons. I was like I don't know you Atlanta knockout, but Dave season three. I've been like the season three finale is and always sunny. Good. Just finished sixteenth season or whatever. Like they they don't miss. So um, no man, they're doing good. So yeah, so you don't even need all this crazy Citadel shit like. Silo was great. Just get fucking the right actors in the right setting that they all that the show was like four setting, like four fucking set pieces. And it was like still fucking shit. Get some, That's it. Get somebody like Rebecca Ferguson in there and like, yeah, let them cook, man. Brilliant cast. Let them do their thing. Yeah. It, it, Apple and fucking uh, FX like have like a near hundred percent success rate. They don't fuck around. So their formula works, whatever they're doing. So it makes me have faith that their movies, which by the way, are going to have theatrical distribution first, that big expensive F1 movie, the fucking Joaquin Phoenix, Napoleon film, right? Those are both Apple hits. I think, um, yeah. Can we just talk, wait, 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 we got to do a quick intervention. We need Tom Holland to come to the front. Oh, listen, boy. man, that's true. Good point. Good point. Listen, man. Listen, listen, Tom Holland. <laughs> listen, bro. I don't know who your agent is, Tom Holland. I don't know if you'll ever hear this. You probably won't. But, bro, if you ever hear this, like, walk away from Apple, man. It's not your fault, and they're not bad. It's just some shit just is like oil and vinegar, and whatever happens to you every time you go to Apple, bro, I feel like you get banged up, like – Cherry, that movie Cherry, now this crowded room cherry. thing. Like, yeah, you did. <laughs> like, you the, the, the crowded did. room, I heard it's bad. So, yeah. but, uh, yeah. so, like, but that's it. Like, everybody's winning on Apple except Tom Holland. And I can't that's fucking funny. Fucking figure it out. And I'm like, dude, and Tom Holland's not a bad actor, and Apple's definitely not a bad service, but some shit just doesn't. It's not meant to be, Tom. Like, you gotta get the fuck out of there, man. It's yeah, just that's right. I was really surprised by that. Uh, you know, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. You know, I don't know what the score is with it ultimately. Cause I know it's not doing well, but I was surprised by that because, man, I mean, he was talking up how he was going to take a year off after that because it was so like emotionally taxing and yeah, and everything. Sober, he retiring. Then he, yeah. we all had to watch that Zendaya trailer, and then like, yeah, man, my man's having it rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's got Spider-Man um, 4 in the way. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, if there was any question of whether or not he was uh, he was going to come back for that, I guess that's that's out the window now. Uncharted 2, baby? baby? Yeah, put it on the calendar. Yeah, is that going to happen? You stop that. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's I got mean by the, today's standards, that may was very successful, right? <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. This has been a very the, humbling year for several people, you know? The Rock's coming back to Fast and Furious. Tom's definitely coming back for that uh, Spider-Man check. Yeah. You know, it could be cold out there, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, anything else you want to say about that? I just I just thought so many – like, it's like every week, I feel like the guys who talk about the box office every week – and a lot of these guys are smart guys. Like, I'm not saying they're 
they're dumb or anything, but you know, like I'm seeing these tweets where it's like, this movie's underperforming, like what's going on? Like, you know, and there's all these reasons that have to do with the movies specifically. Like, I mean, all the flash stuff, you know, for sure, but you're looking at like rise of the beast. You're looking at Indiana Jones and everybody has all these theories. And it, it just seems so painfully obvious and the three of us were all tweeting about it. We we're basically saying the same thing where it's just like people just aren't this just is a different world still. Like we're not we're not back to where people are participating in these theaters like once every once a week and everything. So. <laughs> Until the world becomes a more harmonious place, we're not going back. Like yeah. Yeah. I'm not paying you a hundred dollars for the fucking fact that somebody might get ignorant. I might have to fight them, they might shoot me and a bunch of other people. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Like it's just seems so stressful when I can just be up in my house and, you know, make my food and kick up with some couple people I like and just fucking watch this shit. But it's also going to get real super annoying. So everybody strap in because all the theater diehards, yeah, the new waves of when people discover movies on their own, it's just going to be, we're now going to be living in a life where somebody pops up on you every day. Like this movie from four years ago is something completely new. Yeah. And there will be others like them. Have either of you been to a packed movie theater since with the exception of press screenings where people got in for free and stuff? Have either of you been to a theater that you paid for since COVID that was packed? Uh, um, paid for it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Was it other than Maverick? I'm assuming it was Maverick or Avatar. Those are like the only two that I can think. Uh, of. No, I saw both of those at press screenings. No, it's been actually smaller genre films in Nashville that don't get press screenings. <laughs> like the second tier genre films don't, but like yeah. I go out and, and, and have to pay and like see them. So like, right. Yeah. yeah. And so things like that, or, or I can't go to screenings and that like, so it's usually like on Thursday nights I've seen them that I've, I've okay. mostly been in them. Like, and of course I've, I've been to a couple with like kids, like, you know, Mario brothers movie, which was crazy for families this year. We were talking about earlier. I meant to bring that up. Like it was like Mario brothers, little mermaid, Spider-Verse, all within like another like such a small window of time um like yeah so i, I saw those like with the kids stuff because now because we have kids that are like my kids are five and eight my brother's kids are like three or four and six and like yeah so we're now in the ages where family movie outings are like a thing like officially this year okay. yeah that makes sense um, Can you remember what you saw, Rob? There was yeah. I mean, it's relative. I, I ain't like you know. Uh, I, I don't live in a big city, so that's part of it. But um, I also intentionally choose screenings. Like I usually see the latest show Thursday night. So like on a weeknight, now many people can go and see that. Um, yeah. But yeah, the ones you mentioned, Top Gun and Avatar, were certainly big. I saw Avatar twice, uh, and both times it was pretty pretty full. Um, but recently, Spider Verse was actually pretty packed. It was more than half full, and there were like, I think I told you guys there were kids like dressed up by Spider Man and stuff, which was awesome. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And then I saw Elemental. I took my daughter to see it because uh, school's out as of last week for her. So I took her on the weekend to see it. And like when I pre-bought the tickets, it looked empty. I went in there and it was half full. A bunch of families brought their kids to see it because it was like a noon matinee type showing. And it was it was pretty full for given that it was a daytime thing. So I was pretty happy to see that because you know I thought Elemental was pretty good compared to some of the other things I've seen lately. So um, Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Spider Verse for me. I took my son and on like a third, like one of the first showings on Thursday at like two o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, ah, this will be fun. it was packed shit. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like I, I think I went to a Maverick screening that was packed, like in IMAX. And I think when I resaw no, even when I resaw Avatar, it wasn't. Oh, 
It was impactful. Oh, shit. Um, before we get out of this, yes, there is one thing I had to say. I had a great point. I was listening to you guys and trying not to be interruptive, and then I started to drift off and forget about it. Um, July is going to be really interesting to see because by my estimation, there's only two things that really do get people back into theaters. What they consider, okay, event films, whatever they consider that to be. Sometimes it can be a culminating thing of one of these franchise films. Sometimes it's a spectacle like and cultural milestone films, which are are their own sub, I would argue, subsection of event. So like this, so this month is going to be really interesting because Mission Impossible and Tom Cruise qualifies as one of those things, right? Yeah, I think so too. And Barbie counts as the other one. Like Barbie is what I mean by cultural milestone. Like that's something that's going to attract everybody who's ever been touched or in, oh my God, what a poor choice of words, but has ever had a connective thread to Barbies and that culture and everything. Everybody's going to be curious to just see what it's about. Right. Yeah. So they're going to come and they've played that really smart to keep kind of like a lot of the mystery about that movie kind of what it's actually like. Um, and then you're going to have the third thing, which is like serious blockbuster, right? Which is going to be Oppenheimer. And that's one that's going to maybe generate some word of mouth buzz for people to go see with a bunch of big actors in it and given going for that, like Oscar blockbuster buzz that gets all the, uh, haughty totties out. So it's going to be real interesting to see what happens in July. Cause we could be suddenly reverse coursing being like, Okay, and then it'll be like, okay, so people just don't like stupid fucking stupid genre movies. Anymore. Yeah, like action movies. And anymore, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it'll be like, oh, comic book movies and silly shit is dead. Now we're just getting into like big movies, classic movies. It's going to be the class. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's it. Oh, Jesus. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. It's going to be the we're going back to classic Hollywood. <laughs> oh, just in time for the 2024 election. This is going to be great. Let's do it. Let's go. Oh, man. It's going to be a classic Hollywood needs to be get all crazy. Oh, man. I'm here for it. Let's go. Let's, I'm uh, quite curious how Oppenheimer is going to do because I feel like Oppenheimer fits into the category of a film that we're kind of talking about here, which is like, I mean, it didn't cost this much to make, but it's like big movie, lots of big stars, lots of buzz around it. But dude, does anybody like really give a shit about that story? Like, is that a movie that you say, okay, I got to see that on the big screen? Like, does the casual moviegoer say that? I'm not confident they do. I feel like, no. like I feel people like in our no. industry are going to be pissed about that. And they're going to be like, oh, well, you know, fuck. But like this, that may be the movie that kind of proves like what we're talking about, which is like, yeah. it doesn't matter how good it is or how awesome it's going to look on a screen like a lot of people are just like i'll just catch that on fucking max when it comes out i don't know this for sure so i don't want to get yelled at later by anybody listening to this about spoilers or anything but i i feel like there's this whole like fucking terminator 2 aspect to oppenheimer that we haven't that i feel like i've heard rumblings about but like doesn't that isn't part of like the trailers you know what i mean yeah. Like, I think the culminating thing of that is going to be the thing that people be like, you have to see, like if they do like a realistic creation of what happened when that shit hit Hiroshima with like yeah, yeah. intricate, like the physics involved from all the shit you saw, 
like for a leading up to that in the film and like really just make you understand like the brutal, like in horrific impact of a nuclear explosion. Like that might be the kind of talking point that makes people go, Oh shit, they blowing people up. Like, and then go to the theater. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for sure. So I'm kind of curious how that plays. I'm very curious because like I said, that could be, I feel like that's going to be, I feel like that's the Schrodinger's cat. Like it's going to be one of two things. It's either it's the thing that says, yeah, we'd rather get some of this shit on streaming and yeah. Chris Nolan come down off your horse. You're a fucking streaming movie now, or yeah. it's going to be the thing that goes, Oh yeah, there's still shit that you can do with, with cinema that makes people through through just pure word of mouth just go i gotta see this and go to a fucking theater yeah Yeah. i think that is the exact x factor what you're describing until we see the reviews for that and then the word of mouth if that does something special which all signs point to yes because what they're talking about doing with bombs and stuff in that film that they haven't shown yet um that one i think will have the lowest opening weekend but the longest legs potentially yeah um Assuming the reviews are as positive as Mission Impossible's reviews, which dropped today, and it's like ninety whatever percent on, on Rotten Tomatoes, so Tom Cruise is going to kill it. But the, I, mean, I think the forecasts show that Barbie's going to have the biggest opening potentially, but I think it also have the biggest drop off. And we don't know. I don't think reactions have dropped for that one just yet, but um, certainly that one is the biggest and most accolades with its marketing campaign. But according to our own data, we use with Diesel Labs, um, we know Oppenheimer has got the most online chatter in terms of like response to trailers and marketing so far, like over the last few months. So yeah, uh, all three have potentially be bangers, but still like to, to uh, the weird thing, what you're saying, Ben is true. I think is Oppenheimer a hype movie from the trailer so far. Fucking no, they, ha- they have to have a big splashy thing and they have done nothing on the marketing front to compete with what Barbie's doing, which opens the same weekend. So the younger crowds are going to go see that for sure. Right. Um, but it's also a period I mean, piece. Dun- Dunkirk way underperformed compared to like Interstellar and Inception. Um, so I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see. But, it, you know, all these movies have big casts. So I don't know. It, it's a, I, I hope for our sakes all three are big. But none of them have $100 million opening weekends, it sounds like. They're all forecasting 50, 60, 70, 80 each, right? So um, I hope Mission Impossible comes out with 100 plus at least. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one's going to be an interesting kind of test of like the theory. Cause maybe, you know, maybe visually it's amazing and it's like a gravity thing where it's like, there's just so much word of mouth where people are like, you have to see that on the big screen because that's it. It has to be amazing. That's, you know, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I like Nolan movies, but that one feels like this one feels like, I don't know. You know, it's more Dunkirk than it is like inception. Like as far as casual moviegoers are concerned, it's like it's going to rely on it being some kind of experience, not necessarily like I think. I like feel like this crazy motherfuckers is going to make people, the entire Western world, rethink the fucking bombing of Hiroshima. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I hope Dude, so. After, I, I mean, after yo man, I do not underestimate the power of visual cinema anymore. After I saw fucking goddamn Damon Lindelof and HBO's Watchmen single handedly. Oh yeah, fucking yeah. like finally make America understand the Tulsa massacre. Yeah, like, it, yeah. It, it's just like I, I think. Yeah, I, I'm 
And I, you know me. You guys know me. I, I took a lot of shit in the days when Nolan was untouchable, saying that Nolan was like fallible and like maybe yeah. not always the greatest director. And I brought off that Armand White thing a couple times. I sided with that yep. crazy bastard. <laughs> about the Michael Bay transform. Remember when Michael Bay's Transformers and he said, "What was it? Transformers three or two was like as good or better directed the Dark Knight," and people yeah. lost their minds. And like I was like, I could see a couple things is true about that. So if I'm like hopeful about Oppenheimer, like you know, it's 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 different because I'm not yeah. like a Nolan boy. You, you know what a big negative. Story? A big negative for me with Mission Impossible is them calling it part one. I fucking yeah. hate that. I can't stand that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's the that's, smartest thing Marvel did with Infinity War and Endgame. Like, and Spider Verse, too. They dropped the part one shit, right? So, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was across and then beyond. That was great. Yeah. Thank God. Smart. But yeah, I mean that's quite that's quite true. Um, it deflates it for me, even though I'm going to see it. It's my most anticipated film of the year, but I think that's just an awful title for the film. Yeah, well, I mean, it goes yeah. back to like the Harry Potter of it all and stuff too, right? Like part one, the of Jay, those all those fucking movies, so much worse yeah. than the second one. Yeah, hated that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's uh, also like with Mission Impossible, it's also so fucked because you, it's already with the fucking colon you have to put in. And then yeah, like hyphen exactly. It's like yeah. mission colon p- impossible hyphen dead reckoning something else part one. You know? <laughs> or just no punctuation. Let's just break punctuation rules three quarters of the way through. Dead reckoning part one. No punctuation. Yeah. yeah it's just like, yeah, man. Yeah, that is true. Like, you know, I mean, obviously we all work in, you know, we work in publishing and a big part of, I would say, the success of of screenwriting in a lot of ways was like kind of the way that we titled our articles and like being smart about SEO, but also having them still be like enticing and kind of interesting and selling like a unique angle. And and some of those, which is a conversation for another day, because we also took a lot of shit for that as being, you know, like oh, clickbait yeah. when it wasn't clickbait or what, don't get Kobe started on this because Kobe, oh, yeah. like, was, oh yeah. how did you know I was about to just jump in there? I was about to jump in. No, but yeah. it's funny because no, because no, this is the perfect time to talk about this because <laughs> nobody ever acknowledges this, but like, okay guys, what you refer to as clickbait, it, it only exists because what we were taking, what you were referring to is anything that took you away from your goddamn social media feeds. Before social media was so prevalent, clickbait was not a thing. You Googled something and Google told you what the results were. And it was Google's job to sort through and put those results in the most useful order for you. And that's what every search engine did. Clickbait only came around when Facebook feeds and Twitter feeds and all that shit became a thing because those were our, because we had to adapt and create links that took you off of those sites. And if you didn't like what took you off of that site as what match the small piece of information a tweet it gave you then you started complaining and saying yeah. oh you had baited me you had baited my click and gotten it away and that's the only thing but because you were scrolling on those fucking social media sites that's why these fucking assholes are now in control of everything that's why information got so fucked up and that's why everything went sideways because you were too smart to get clicked away from a fucking social media thing yeah. oh my god don't get me 
anyway, it's, I got started. Ben started. No, I mean, no, I mean, it's true that I mean, we've you know, we've like one day we we definitely need to break that down even even further because it is interesting though, like kind of this battle that we were fighting with us for a long time of like an enticing headline isn't clickbait. <sighs> it's just like it's just if you know, it's like if ultimately then you click on that article and it gives you the answer. That's that's like it's you can't classify that as clickbait. The issue is when people sensationalize stuff, they promise something that's not there, and then you don't get it. Like when you click on it, that's clickbait. But yeah, it's it's misleading. Also, there's a huge fucking difference between a big ass headline, which is the equivalent of the giant eighty font shit on the front of a newspaper. Is that clickbait? You see a big fucking glamorous headline to draw your attention to sell the goddamn papers in the corner of the street, right? No, no, no. For us, the headline is very different than the, than the excerpt of the first paragraph, which we all know is extremely different than text you put along with the fucking tweet. And people like mix all those things together. Like if I go on my Twitter account and share an article and I, I, I write a sentence with it, is that clickbait? That's not the fucking title. That's a tweet. And we all treat these things differently. And like you said, and well, we never none of our sites do this, and on Screamant, what all three of us started – None of us did this. When you came to a screaming article, it never fucking misled you. Our whole thing was giving you more than everyone else. That's why all of our articles were longer and more in like depth. A thousand words, yeah. Every yeah. fucking thing. We gave you everything more than anyone else. So, like, people seeing this clickbait were like either just trolls or people that work for sites that failed or people who failed themselves. And we have a yeah. long ass history of people who, in all these sites that are continuing to fold to this fucking day, that went through this. It didn't understand the difference between these things. So, yeah. Um, I get heated thinking about this too because we've we've all had this conversation no, a million times. So <laughs> I yeah. do not remember what I was talking about before. Sorry, sorry. No, I don't, it's fine. I don't know. I can't even remember. I had like Locked a really pro- yeah, I had a really profound point about this, but I don't remember what it was. So, um, yeah. okay, you guys want to talk about Indiana Jones? Oh yeah. We- because this is like initially what we were going to come on and talk about. but You got me started. You said you were going to get me started. You got me started. <laughs> I know. I, I really wish it. I could. I'm going to be editing this thing later, and I'm going to remember the point You're that right. I was making about this clickbait title stuff. And it's going to – oh, yeah, okay. I remember now. It's that like if they're ruining our ability to come up with like good titles that are SEO friendly. Oh. Because it's like when you had like – Freaking like Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. By the end of that title, like you had no room to do anything else other than just write yeah, a yeah. trailer at the yeah. end of that. Like we, like our whole thing was kind of highlighting what was cool about the trailer, and like you can't fit that in a title without it getting cut off in Google. And I'm not saying that's even not not even just like an SEO thing. Like I'm not saying oh it's a problem for SEO. It's like literally when you're scrolling Google, you cannot read what the article is about half the time because. These Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One yeah. takes up three quarters of like what's going to be shown there on on Google. You there get seventy is. characters or something, right, on Google, and that title is like fifty characters. You can't really yeah. say anything after it's if you actually write the whole thing out. So that uh, I, that's what I was saying is like the titles have made it very hard for like publishers who publish on Google to like actually be able to kind of explain what the article is about which i know sounds like a first world problem it is but it's like you know i mean a big part of what we did was kind of like try and be inventive with our titles and studios out here making it a lot harder on us with these like part ones and oh especially the studios that come after you for not using the correct title which we oh yeah happen all oh god the time. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> no, it's guardians of the galaxy volume dot three 
that's yeah. it has to be that not g-o-t-g-g-3 anyway <laughs> whatever yeah. you know <laughs> yeah also can we can we stop with the fucking while we're throwing out shit can we just stop with the fucking titles that try to make numbers part of the title because oh, nobody God. can remember oh, yeah. that shit nobody <laughs> nobody nobody's googling that shit nobody can remember i can't even find our expendables for archive because we put it in as whatever yeah all the fours and a yeah it's expendable yeah i can't remember where but i can't remember where it is i'm like i can't remember how to fucking do this right now and i'm not trying to crack this code like i'm not trying to do a cipher here like fucking yeah let's just stop with that (laughs) shit just say expendables for man save us all a lot of time yeah, as I told, uh, I told a story about the stupid motherfucking girl I knew who was the Dark Knight. Right, I've told this story, but in case anybody's just a new What Is Podcast ex listener and didn't listen to Screen Rant Underground, so we all got started. Like, especially me and Rob got started like when the Dark Knight was coming out, right? And one of the first big things I ever did with for Screen Rant was go to like a four a.m. screening of the Dark Knight. And so the night <laughs> that I was going to do this, I was down in my now my girlfriend now wife's apartment with her roommate which is a girl i knew and grew up with and we're watching the commercial one of the like tv spots from the dark night because you know warner brothers they were flooding the market those commercials are on and she's seeing it and she's watching the scene where the joker the truck flip scene where the joker is standing in the street and batman like yeah. comes down the bat pod and like nearly hits him and they had commercials with zero hit like and still one of the greatest commercial like kind of shots, they would have the shot of like Heath Ledger looking behind him and like, like that whole like thing, the camera still moving. And she goes, <laughs> and I'll never forget this. And she saw the screen, then it cut to this title, the dark Knight, And she just looked at her at all of us. And I mean, with such genuine anger, in her eyes. And it's just like, I will never go see that movie. And we're like, what? Why not? She's like, they are, they are trying so hard to be Batman. And we were like, uh, oh, <laughs> my God. And we were just like, really? And we're like, we were like, Rach, you know, that's a Batman movie. And she goes, not Ash. It's called The Dark Knight. Like, that's not what it is. And I'm like, oh, boy. Right. Mm. This is, and I was like, at that point, I was like, this whole trend needs to stop. I was like, <laughs> you guys are not planning for the level of intelligence of our populace. You need to stop. <laughs> Could you imagine if the Dark Knight wasn't a Batman movie and but it was what it was? <laughs> like yeah. the like it's just like some dude that looks a lot like Batman and some dude that looks a lot like the Joker and they were trying to pass that oh. off in a theater. That's amazing. That's a clown I mean, this man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this this girl was convinced that's, that that was what was happening. Like, yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty intense. I can't believe like Bat Guy and Jokester are are at it yeah. again. Man Bat and the Clown. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, that's real, I guess, but yeah. Um, Do you remember? I mean, but that I mean, she apparently she was not the only one because that whole trend died early sure. on, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And the DC of just throwing out random titles, not naming the characters. Yeah, I mean, you had the man, you had like, yeah. Well, and then you had like Man of Steel or whatever, and then it was like Batman versus Superman. It's like these yeah. bitches are in the movie. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Dude. Oh, yeah. and Dawn of Justice, just in case there's yeah. any ambiguity about what's happening <laughs> exactly. here. Yeah. Bro, yeah. what's the Birds of Prey title? 
Oh, uh, the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn or whatever. What a fucking stupid title that was. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was so stupid. To do. That, speaking that was, of titles, that was one of the ones that, like, the studios came after us for. And they were like, okay, now we – it was the opposite. Like, we were calling it, you know, Birds of Prey or whatever. And they were like, no, we want you to call it yep. Harley Quinn and, you know, the Birds of Prey or whatever they wanted us to call it. Like, a week and after the release, they realized that Harley SEO was all fucked <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. 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 Man. Yeah. Uh okay. You want to talk Indiana Jones for real? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's get out of here. Let's, let's, let's do, do this. Let's talk about Zencaster. Rob, what is Zencaster? Oh, that's a great question, Ben. Zencaster which we use to record Podcast X, currently exclusively in audio form, is the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. It provides, as you know from listening, high-quality audio and video podcast production and hosting. With a full suite of professional tools, podcasters can seamlessly record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard in your browser. Being a creator like us has never been easier. Zencaster lets you do everything you need to podcast from recording to publishing all in one place. That all is very exciting, Rob. So Zencaster, if you want to sound your best, Zencaster's post-production process takes the headache out of audio production. A frequent problem that we run into is when we come onto this podcast to record, my levels are usually all messed up. With Zencaster, we're able to adjust loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a single click of the button. Back when we were recording the Screen Man Underground podcast, this was like a seven-step process for us. While Podcast X currently only has two hosts and one rotating chair as a special guest, Zencaster lets you record up to 11 participants. Think of it, all of Ben's girlfriends in one place. Coordinating all of these guests, 11 participants at once, has never been easier. Just one click. I will say, though, as the person who has to edit this podcast and cut everything together, my favorite part and the thing that saves our ass time and time again is that it's a cloud backup system. So while you're recording, it records backups to the cloud as well as locally, which if you know from listening to the podcast, Kofi unplugs his mic. We've had some issues in the past with Zencaster. Not a problem. To try this yourself, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use the code PODCASTX and you'll get 30% off your first three months with Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. That's Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use the code PODCASTX. Okay, so um, I'm curious. I'm curious, kind of before we we get into this, like maybe the two of you can elaborate a little bit on your kind of like history with Indiana Jones. I, on my Screen Rant bio, a long time ago, credited seeing a midnight showing of The Last of the Crusade or The Last Crusade as the kind of like my formative movie going experience, where I like really fell in love with big movies and I like wanted a hat afterwards and got the whip and like was dressing up and stuff. That was like one of the first movies that I saw in a theater that I kind of remember walking out of and being like, I love movies and I'll go see that movie like a dozen times or something. And 
I, you know, I mean, King of the Crystal Skulls just kind of like Ooh, sort of a what mess. Are you doing? And... We were happy. <laughs> yeah, and, like I think it's I think it's interesting in contrast to this movie because like that movie was trying so desperately to like set up future sequels with Shia and stuff like that and and everything. So I'm kind of so obviously I soured on it with that movie, but I'm curious like how you guys have sort of felt about Indiana Jones movies. If you were excited for this, I was not like overwhelmingly excited. I thought the trailers looked okay, but I wasn't like necessarily super pumped for it. So I'm, I'm kind of curious before you tell us what you think of this movie, like how you felt kind of going into it and what your history is with the franchise. Um, I'll be short. I mean, it, it was Indiana Jones is up there with star Wars with, in terms of movies, that I, I kind of came too late. I saw Last Crusade in theaters like you, but I had yeah. seen the other two before that because they're of syndication and cable syndication. Yeah, yeah. So they both, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, not only kind of kindled my love of movies and movie magic and, and adventure movies and, and all that, but um, it also taught me about TV and syndication and, and tradition of watching movies on TV and stuff like that. Anyway, so it was pretty formative for me too. And they're beloved. Um, I think we were talking about 4th of July before this and like my family always stays inside. And I was posted this on Instagram and me and my wife have this tradition of 20 years and of staying inside and kind of like being in our house and our space and just hanging out with each other and doing stuff. And that started one year when we were in college together. It was a, she drove up from her hometown back to college. I was in summer session and it was kind of like rainy. And all we did was stay inside with each other. We kind of grilled on a foreman grill and we watched all the Indiana Jones movies on cable syndication. And the fact that she was down to do that and like loved it too, like was like one of this like major formative moments between us. So it's been formative throughout my life, really. So, boom. That's awesome. Were you excited for this one then? I mean, we, you know, we were saying like we covered King of the Crystal Skull when we were like doing a lot of our stuff. Like, what? did you have hopes for this one? I had hopes for James Mangold. I, and I, I you know, I like the cast involved. I like Phoebe. I like uh, Mads. I like if Boyd Holbrook is always good, like and reliable. Like, there's a lot of good people in it, but I, and we'll get into this and this will be the crux of my argument, but the reasons why I especially thought like kingdom of the crystal skull didn't work for me. I, I was kind of worried would only get worse with this one. And I was right yeah. about that in certain respects. Yeah. Um, funny enough, uh, Niall was the one that reviewed this for us back in 2008 or screen ran back in 2008. Uh, gave it a four out, or sorry, not this Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and gave Kingdom of the Crystal Skull four out of five stars. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised though, because his whole no, thing was yeah. like he's a big fan of the quote unquote movie star. So anything Mel right, Gibson right. and Harrison Ford did back then was like fucking, you know, it's like yeah. you and CGI, right? Four out of five. So, <laughs> wow, uh, yeah, <laughs> come on now, that's a good one. I, I, it was good, no, it was good. <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I can see what you mean, though, based on kind of, like, the sort of stuff that he enjoyed writing about and everything. Oh, yeah, um, no, that was his whole shit. He loved classic. He literally wrote features about all that all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He interviewed them, uh, man. He was great. Shout out to Niall, man. I haven't thought about him in a minute. He's our first yeah. Brit, I think. Yeah. He, was, uh, he, was, he was Irish. Ah, I was just there. I should have hung out with him. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, Rob. Yeah, I have pretty powerful memories of this. This this is uh, it, it was like like Kofi said, like a Star Wars for me too. I did not unfortunately see uh, the Last Crusade or any of these things in theater until the Crystal Skull came out. Um, but I I'll never forget my my parents watching all three of them with me, and I'll never forget the second one in particular. Temple of Doom, like the heart ripping scene, like we had to like make my brother leave the room because <laughs> it was like he was way too young for that shit, and that's obviously a way darker film than the other two. But yeah, um, I really love those three, and I also love the video games they made after that. I forget what the one there was a good third person when they came out in the early aughts, so I really really enjoyed it. So I kind of love the whole like that whole adventure of it all, and I still to this day have the trilogy on VHS that came with a fourth tape. It was a, it was one of the uh, episodes of the young Indiana Jones. Yeah, Sean Patrick I Flannery. Uh, you know talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. man, that, and I love that shit. That was great. Um, my yeah, my wife bought me young, that. Hell yeah, we, we still have weekend. it. Yeah, somewhere like after after we had that weekend. Oh, I gotta. Yeah, she Man, when these movies come out, because all these franchise movies come out, I should like take pictures of my old shit like from my childhood that is for that franchise and like blast it all over social media, get yeah. them clicks because like. That's a good one. I still have. I have the hat and um, and the whip too from when they put the trilogy on 4K. So um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, and then I saw Crystal Skull on a road trip. I, my wife and I, at the time, girlfriend, and then uh, that was what 2008. That came out 15 years ago, right? Like, so yeah, that was first starting. That's, yeah, that's where I started the Screen Man. So like Kofi's era too. Um, so I guess we were covering that back then. Uh, I to this day, much like Green Lantern, am missing 20 minutes of the film from my head because I had fell asleep during it. Um, <laughs> and I never returned to it. So somewhere in the third act, I saw the last 10 minutes of it, but whatever 20 minutes lead up to the final 10, I don't, I have no fucking clue what happened. Um, and I'll probably never know. And I'm cool with that because that movie was so goddamn cringe for me. Um, everything from like the way it was shot, it didn't feel like the original three. It didn't capture that feeling of adventure and it didn't feel like authentic and, and, and it just felt like too clean and of course everyone you know reams on the nuke the fridge element of it all which is ridiculous but to me it was the cringe of the villains and the cringe of the mutt williams and all that kind of shit so um yeah that one really soured me in this on this on this thing so um that's all to say is like you guys i wasn't really hyped for this film but i was very excited to see what mangold would do with it because right now I'm, I, I have a lot of faith in what he's doing so um that was kind of the selling point for me coming into this Interesting. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah. So it sounds like we're all like cautiously optimistic. There were some things that we were sort of excited about. So, okay. What did you guys think of it? Which one of you wants to go first? Kofi goes first. Um, as I tweeted out, um, you know, the joy of watching fictional characters is that they endure, right? Like your imagination of them. They always are alive and vibrant and kind of, immortalized in this amber of your memory of the adventures you've seen them on and the things you've seen them do and all that. Uh, this, and I think I joked about it earlier, like this movie, Indiana Jones, it's just like, it's the kind of like hug your parents. Now movie, they might not be like, you know, it's just (laughs) from the very first moment that, Harrison Ford like is on screen after this really bizarre opening sequence. Um, we're yeah, talking spoilers, DH right? Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The DH stuff, yeah. Which only started me off on the wrong foot because it only made me realize, like, as somebody who watched those classic movies so much and those adventures, I was like, oh yeah, you, fuck, you really can't go back. This dude's old now. They're just putting computer makeup over his face, and this looks yeah. really weird. 
So, yeah, I mean, then to Harrison Ford just waking up in a chair and doing a shirtless scene that may be like, you know, I don't need to see that. And, like, seeing my hero get this old and, like, you know, saggy chested and do all this stuff and not be able to do so much. It's just, like, I fundamentally just found this, like, kind of off-putting and disturbing for that reason. I mean, I can't even rate the journey or the adventure or any of that other stuff because it was just, like, every frame of this movie was just, like, yeah, your heroes get old and feeble and die. And at this point, I'm like, James Mangold, do you like, uh, he always got to tear like down some heroes. Like, do you actually like, like heroes like at all or archetypes or <laughs> do they like, do you just want to like fucking break them down? Because yeah, it feels like Logan should like now this is just like, I don't know, man. So I didn't really enjoy it. Like I like Phoebe Waller bridge, but I would love to just see her be in her own fucking movie. Or even just like a national treasure movie as like a secondary character who gets her own franchise spit off from that. It's just like, I don't need to see her in an Indiana Jones movie. And I don't know. I think I'm just going to start like trailing off mostly because I'm sleepy and also because I'm just going to start going in circles. But like, yeah, it, it was, it was just rough for me. Like watching Harrison Ford try to like do Indiana Jones stuff. And it's just like this character should have been. This is why we're finally getting rid of Pat Sajak, and we still can't even get rid of Vanna, Vanna White at this age. Like, we got to hold on to shit. And it's just like, again, I think Indiana Jones broke something in me. Like, I want the entire, I think I might be done with the entire, like, geek culture, like, nostalgia, clingy fucking mm. thing. It's like, bringing like, back uh, stuff from, like, our childhoods yeah. and everything. Yeah, it's like no, man. This may this movie like is a hard smack. If you, in a weird way, this movie is a hard smack of reality that like you can't do that shit anymore. Like it is over, and there's nothing you can do about it. And like, you just got to move on with your life and times moving forward. Like we had good runs with Indiana Jones, and they'll always be like this. That trilogy will always be like this special thing to me. But like, it's done now, and he's done. And I don't need to see this shit ever again. Yeah. So I, well, I'll, I'll kick to Rob and we'll. You sure, Ben, you can say your thing. Well, so yeah, I mean, I actually kind of, so I actually really enjoyed this. Um, like the play by plays of it felt like, you know, an Indiana Jones movie more than King of the Crystal Skull did. I like kind of enjoyed some of the throwbacks. I enjoyed, the emotional component of the idea of this father who loses his son and kind of shuts off emotionally from his wife. Like I thought that was all very, you know, added like a depth to the character that maybe we like don't always get to see. And was kind of an interesting character exploration in the way like Logan was an interesting character exploration, but I kind of like, you're actually winning me over a little bit on the idea of, you know, like I kind of, in a lot of ways, I sort of wish my final memories of Indiana Jones are still like him riding away after, you know, the last crusade, right? Like, because then he can kind of live on in my mind as, you know, this timeless adventure or something, whereas as subversive as they're trying to be with that scene, you know, with him getting out of bed and scratching his butt and his whitey tighties. And he's like just the grumpy neighbor and, 
you know, he's kind of like even lost his love of teaching and, and everything as well. It's like, I do kind of, I do sort of see what you're, you're, you're sort of saying though, like watching him, like, you know, grab things with the whip or it is, it does look like an old man doing that, even though he's a more capable old man than, you know, the old man I know in my life or something like, so I, I kind of, I do sort of see it from that vantage. The movie itself I enjoyed. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm glad we left off here more than where we left off in the last one, but yeah, I can, I can kind of appreciate what you're saying in a way that I didn't when I was watching the movie. Um, Rob, you want to let us kind of know what, where you are? Yeah. I'm thinking about a lot of this now based on what you guys said, but, um, watching it though, I really enjoyed it. Um, it it was, I was surprised how comprehensive and extended that intro slash prologue was. There was a a lot of de-aged Harrison Ford there, but you know what though? I thought it mostly worked with the face. Except you, you could tell when he couldn't do like his big expressions, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, which he's so yeah. famous for. Like, there's so many close-up shots of him doing a funny expression, reacting to something in the first three, right? Um, yeah. Like laughing when somebody falls off something or when he gets away, you know what I mean? That didn't work. But the thing that really bothers me and I keep honing in on is the fucking hair. Whatever double is doing the action bits, the hair looks so fake or too put together. It's the same problem I noticed when they did – the better version of de-aged Luke Skywalker and I think it was the Boba Fett Mando season 2.5 or whatever. Like the hair looks so fucking wrong. They cannot get that right. It's weird. They put so much money into the face CGI that the practical hair on whatever person they're using is just so off the mark. So that drove me crazy. But um, compared to most de-aging we've seen, you know, it's, it's better, but still, so, you know, it's it's the uncanny valley of it all, right? It just it just looks off, which is a shame because they, they really lean into it here a lot. Like as a, I, I fear this is some sort of Disney test case for what they want to do with the future of some of these actors, right? Um, <laughs> Robert Zemeckis is getting his second shot, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, this ain't that bad, man. But yeah, between him um, and the Flash, right? Or this and the Flash. Yeah. But, you know, I, I it, it didn't pull me out of the movie. You know, it was annoying. It was noticeable. That sucks. But it, it mostly worked. Um, the movie was a little long, though. I, I certainly would have cut down some of these chase sequences, which went on and on. There's three or four of them. Um, yeah. But, you know what? It was a lot of fun on the big screen. I recommend everyone see this on the big screen. And to, to Disney's credit, and certainly Mangold, they went really big with it. Even the little shots of it. You just see, like, a parking lot beside the Nazi tents, and there's, like – it's not just a truck and a couple extras. There's like 30 fucking trucks and a tank driving by and hundreds of extras actually in costumes with real strobe lights and people in towers. Like every little detail, they did it like they did the first three movies. So it felt like a big classic movie production. You can see where they spent the money. And I love that. I love that a lot of it. A lot of it was practical things they used on screen, which to me means so much, from, especially given what we see from certain other Disney IP these days. Um, so yeah, it felt right. This felt more in line with the original three than, than kingdom of the crystal fucking boredom, whatever that was. Um, so I love how elaborate that all was, uh, practical for the win. Um, I also thought the villains were great. Like Mads, like I was worried cause Mads is certainly typecast as a type of villain, but I, I love that he got like a dialogue heavy villain who's actually kind of ruthless. He felt really threatening and legitimate as an, as an antagonist. And, you know, they keep finding ways to circle back to the Nazi threat. But in this one, despite 
the prime era being 1969, they, they made it work. Like the Nazi threat makes sense in the way they configured the story. So I, I kind of enjoyed the yeah. villains of it all. Uh, but also just the gen- in general across the board, the action and dialogue felt really in line with the series. Um, and the new cast members, which is always the biggest hurdle with these nostalgia bait films, right? Uh, the, uh, the, what's her face? F- um, Phoebe, what's her name? Um, Waller Bridge. Phoebe Waller. Yeah. Phoebe, yeah, Waller Bridge. Yeah, I thought she was – I loved her. I thought she was excellent. The kid was great too and that's always the biggest fucking risk when you throw a kid in here. Um, that worked as well. The villains are great. So uh, the returning members, uh, even the little cameo at the end, like it really hit me in the heartstrings. So I thought that was all wonderful. And I, I thought, again, the marketing fooled me successfully on the Phoebe Waller Bridge character. Like I, I, did, I thought she was just going to be like the apprentice. But no, she's kind of like – on her own. And, and I love the moral gray area she explores. And I think that's a really cool character. And, you know, if this movie was super successful and if it had a better reception, I could totally see her carrying. She carried a lot of this fucking film because they definitely, with, with how they're treating the age of Indy, um, she had to, and that worked really, really well. So um, I could totally, I would love to see them do more. And, and um, I'll say this, that we didn't talk about this yet, but the big swing at the end, every one of these movies has a big thing at the end and they actually go back in fucking time in this movie. Um, you know, that was partly spoiled for me like months ago, but what I was told was very different than what actually happened. I, I thought for sure Indiana Jones was going to stay in the past and this yeah. would be the end. But the way they brought him back and then did that little scene with pulling the hat off the rack at the end, I'm like, holy yeah. shit, they – they totally left it open so they could – if this movie was like made $700 million and was better received, it's not going to make that much money. They could have easily, quickly greenlit a follow-up. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? And they, they they would have too because we know and, – and Harrison's gone on record many times saying this – that Indy is his favorite character. So um, had this gone better or if it did does better in the next month, they, they could do a follow-up. And you know what? I'm fucking down, man. Um, uh, yeah. They, they did it really, really well. And I think it's an excellent big screen experience. Uh, another weird thing, another gripe of mine is that there's a lot of people that die in this film helping Indy or people that get in the way and die. And there's zero like impact or remorse of that. Like yeah. Indiana Jones friend and that whole crew in that boat, like Antonio Banderas plays a great little like supporting character shows up for a little bit. And like, they're all like really good people and they all just get fucking murdered. <laughs> and then you just kind of <laughs> yeah. forget about it right away. And it's like, wait a second, isn't that, there's gotta be some consequences for this. But uh, yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, Indy going around punching these fucking Nazis is great, though. So I'm in for more of that. Yeah. What did you guys think about? Because you know, we're we ended up talking about this other thing for a long time, so I don't want to like belabor it. But what did you guys think oh, about no, the I final sequence? That's what I figured. I knew I knew we were probably losing you. But like, what do you guys? What did you guys think about the final sequence? And maybe Kofi, you can start in case we lose you again. But I, I know that was like fucking- a real. Everybody, they keep trying to pull, they keep trying to toe the line that it wasn't a reshoot. And I don't believe that for a second. It sounds like cap to me to use the parlance of our times. It felt like there was going to, I mean, if the story was set up and I was writing about this kind of about explaining the time loop and all that shit. Um, But like, yeah, the, the fact that it's that Archimedes has the wristwatch and shit, it suggests that it was him, right? Like that was the whole. Correct. That's what I thought. Yeah. And that like he that would be turned out to be the loop. He finds out that he stays there and yeah. Archimedes because Archimedes died, which would have been cool because Archimedes really did die in the siege of Rome or the siege yeah. of or whatever the fucking that or the battle of Sicily. He yeah. he died then. So like if then Harrison Ford became like Archimedes and then 
made all this other stuff using his feature knowledge, that'd be that'd be really dope because Indy loved yeah. the past. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Can I add one more point to that? I thought that was going to happen as well. Once I started watching the film, I was told that's what happened. Like someone told me that he – or the theory based on whatever we were told was that he would stay in the past, right? But – Given that this is so clearly an alternate timeline, the present day stuff, like that shit where they're running through the parade of the astronauts in 1969 New York and a gunshot went off didn't <laughs> happen like that. So I thought, oh, they could go back in time and the re, you know, the alternate proper universe would be like, it's proper now that Indiana Jones is stuck in the past. That's where it fixes the loop. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, him coming back to present. And also, what a weird fucking stretch of how that works. How do the fuck, like, we're ex- <laughs> we expect them to go back up and the time portal works the opposite way exactly the same and it's all fine like just get his, his wounded body in the plane they just go home like they just kind of skip that whole plot gap of it all right so um, yeah I thought that as soon as I saw that watch like just like you guys were saying I thought either him or like mods was going to be stuck in the past and that that was going to be like or even like mods or somebody could be could turn out to be Archimedes and he was like trying to find a way home or something that like was a that. twist but, yeah, yeah. but <coughs> yeah that kind of ended up not you know, fully going anywhere, I guess. I, I, you know, it makes sense that it wouldn't be mods, I guess, because like, you know, you don't want Archimedes to be looked at as like a Nazi, like, you know, the tomb of Archimedes is actually yeah, holds that, a Nazi I think a lot of people but, in Greece might have had a problem with that one, Ben. Yeah, that would have been totally. weird. Although he was the only guy who could have made that device. He is the genius physicist, right? Yeah, but, uh, that's it. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I, dude, I, I would still like an explanation too for how he survives getting knocked off that train and crashing into a freaking light pole at like 70 miles an hour. But like at the beginning of that movie, in you guys the, expecting in the, some kind of like reveal that is half his face is fucking exactly. Off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that was a pretty brutal way of falling off a train. If you actually ended up surviving, but um, I did, I did like that, you know, as kind of like, as far as like the structure of the movie goes, you alluded to this earlier that it's like, you know, we were able to have Nazis, even though Nazis weren't around anymore. I mean, well, you know, Nazis are still around, but like, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean it's like a, you know, like, it's not like you needed an army of Nazis. You just needed these like, you know, 10 guys to have this sort of mission. And I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, in some respects, like you always have this, you always have this thing of like the kill Hitler sort of, you know, it's like the reversal of, uh, okay, if I had a time machine, I'd go back in time and kill Hitler. It's like you don't usually expect a Nazi to be the person who says that. Yeah, because so, they're so incompetent. He wants to be the leader. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that was a cool, you know, I mean, there's a Doctor Who episode about it called like Let's Kill Hitler or whatever. And I mean, that <laughs> like that whole thing is such a trope of like the, you know, why don't you go back and kill Hitler? I like the idea that it was like this Nazi was like Hitler fucked all this up. So I'm going to go back and kill him and, you know, make everything better um that was just in like you know i i i guess i picked up on that a little bit like in the conversation he has in the hotel earlier where he like blames I was just gonna say that yeah he said like it's sort of there's setup for it so once it comes around you sort of were like oh yeah that makes sense i mean he made it pretty clear he was like he blamed hitler for this shit and if you had a time machine and you were a nazi like and you blamed hitler it would make a lot of sense to go back and like kill him and take over and you know do it a different way he- you knew he was like a super villain when he spoke to the hotel guy, the the ex soldier, and he's like, 
<laughs> yeah, asking where totally he's from, shitty. and he's like, "You guys didn't win. Hitler lost it all." Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, that, that was, was that was wild, ruthless, dude. Yeah. Props to that one dude who's fucking like eight feet tall and looks like Duke Nukem. <laughs> Holy shit, that guy is massive. Yeah. Yeah, that guy was good. I mean, I liked the uh, you know for <laughs> you don't see henchmen like that these days, man. That guy is so big. Yeah, that's like a Bond villain type thing, you know. Yeah, like Jaws two point oh. Yeah, the uh, the there was some weird shit in this too, though. Like the FBI agent or CIA agent that just gets killed on the plane. Like you get the impression she's gonna like do something interesting, and there was like maybe some kind of argument there to be made. Like the idea of just like you know, a black CIA agent, female black CIA agent getting killed by a bunch of Nazis and that like kind of not going anywhere felt like a plot hole too. Like there was just some kind of like, you were talking about Antonio Banderas's character. It's like, there's some just weird, like throwaway. For sure. I was surprised here. by that. I thought for sure she was going to be like the handler between like when the U S government finally figured the shit out exactly. helping Indiana Jones. Yeah. But no, I was shocked. They kind of just killed her off. Yeah, I yeah I I couldn't tell if that was like just problematic because of how good like Shanette Renee Wilson was the name of the actress and it, like how good she was like she was a bit of a scene stealer and maybe they like weren't expecting that and so like that's why you know it feels unresolved or something like that because like she was never really intended to be as good as she was, but that seems stupid because like, it's very clear early on that she was like killing it in that role. Yeah. It was weird. It was jarring. I I think they're trying to make like Boyd and the henchmen feel like, Oh yeah, these guys are full on Nazis and they're for the cause. They are pure evil. They have to all fucking die. Here we go. But still it was just awkward for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else you guys want to say? I mean, I think, you know, we've covered it. We've covered a lot of this. I, would you watch a Phoebe Waller Bridge spinoff movie based on this? I don't know. Her being like the the co lead worked really well in this off of Indy because she could carry that out of the way and offer like a different dynamic on like how how she has her own knowledge and experiences through like <laughs> crime and villainy versus the Indiana Jones trying to like steal artifacts from museums, the adventurer of yeah. it all. Um, but I do think. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't think like following, what is she going to do? Like just turn to an adventurer and just, or, or like go back to dealing, dealing artifacts or weapons or whatever and dealing with crime, you know, crime families. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. We kind of saw it all with her. So um, her doing a new adventure, maybe, you know what? I probably would, but uh, I, you know, three years ago I would have said, do a Disney plus series, but now I know how all those turn out. So I would say yeah. maybe, maybe put a cap on that. So, yeah, I got yeah. canceled. I, they canceled me for trying to say no. I, I had a whole point, but I tried. I got canceled by the service. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, I kind of left, sort of being like, you know, I still like the the DNA of this franchise, like the idea of you know treasure hunters and you know, kind of like in the past and stuff like that. Like national treasure, that all takes place kind of now. Uncharted you know, takes place now. Like, I like the idea of these period pieces, like, you know, something that takes place in like the seventies or something like that would be kind of fun. If you were to do like some treasure hunting journey with an established character, like Phoebe Waller bridge. And then, you know, maybe you had some like, you know, returning indie characters like short round or something in there, like those kind of things I would, I could be interested in that, but I, uh, you know, one of the things that I like about this movie, it doesn't seem like it's trying to do that. Whereas, 
we said earlier, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was like, you know, Shy is picking up the hat and, you know, Harrison's taking it away from him. Like they, they were clearly like toying with that shit. And like, I kind of like that this is just a closed story in some respects too. Yeah. If they find a way to conclude this for reals for Andy, even if he's like a background or not a background, but you know, more of a supporting character, I could see that kind of working, but I yeah. do think to what you're saying about the time period, like the, the further they get away from the past the more modern it is, the less magical it is. I, like yeah. the closer they get to the seventies and the eighties, it's just, it's a less interesting, you know, the world gets a lot more, <laughs> a lot more gray, you know, in terms yeah, of yeah. like what we think of classic cinema. So, um, I don't know. There's something magical about like, you know, indie to be in the thirties and the forties and a very clear threat in the Nazis to deal with. Um, yeah. You know, everyone can side with indie punching a Nazi, <laughs> yeah, like, but yeah, it's a little I mean, more weird when you get to the Vietnam era. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was like, you know, for as ridiculous as that train sequence is at the beginning of the movie. And as much as the CGI is kind of, you know, like questionable and there's some uncanny Valley stuff there. I mean, just watching Indiana Jones punch Nazis is like still just like very, very, very satisfying and very, very fun. I don't know that there's anybody in the history of cinema that has been as fun as it is with Harry, you know, Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones fighting Nazis. Like it is just such a like that guy loves punching Nazis. And that's like a pretty fun, pretty fun thing still to watch even in this movie but. i'll say one more thing they they part, part of the problem with like these nostalgia heroes coming back and we see it with han solo and here in these like they, they these old guys come back and they're just like they've lived kind of a failed life their relationships fell apart they're miserable yeah, true. you know what i mean just and it's like that's kind of not everyone has to end like that and i get they're trying to emphasize like the sacrifices you make or how these extreme events change you when you yeah. get, put everything you have into something right whether it's the rebellion or in this case, being an adventurer and fighting Nazis and stuff. Um, but the way they ended this one, they kind of resolve that again with Marion coming back and stuff. Yeah. So they can't take him out of the happy place. So I think if they come back, like he has to be like the handler, the person in the chair, uh, assistant, yeah. the researcher. He, he can't have him out in the field running away from his family again. They, they get they got to get away from that. So it ends well enough that way. Um, from a thematic standpoint and hit that character's journey. But so, but, but to your question, I, you know, if this worked, I, I, I still think they could have done a, a fast turnaround sequel. If James Mangle wasn't doing whatever swamp thing in star Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they could have had him have less screen time and Phoebe can take, take it over that way. But one more. Yeah. And that's it. yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I agree with everything you guys are saying. I think I, I am really coming around to this idea of like, you know, when Man, we kind of went shit. outlaw out <laughs> when we were, you know, talking previously about, well, not even just like talking, but just like years of covering all of this sort of like these nostalgia movies coming back through the pipeline and, you know, reboots and remakes and re sort of like revisions and, and everything. I don't know. I was like here for it because like, I love these characters so much as a kid. Like I just want more of them, but I am starting to come around, I think, just like, you know, Kofi in particular is sort of stating here, like, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know, these aren't the, and you were sort of alluding to it even with like Han Solo and stuff. It's like, I always wanted Han Solo to kind of live happier after with Leia and seeing him betrayed by his son and, and, you know, estranged from this relationship that meant so much to us in those movies was not satisfying 
especially when you then look at that trilogy and you see like what Kylo Ren's arc is in it. It's like none of that ended up really being earned by the end of it. And it kind of just sort of ruined some of the things that we were kind of hoping for these characters just for the sake of bringing everybody back and making more money. And this is the same thing. I mean, it sucks. And like, you know, we, it's fine to kill Mutt, but it's like, you know, to have this guy sort of like living this estranged life from Marion and it's just, yeah, I don't know. There is something that leaves a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah. It's okay if they resolve that, but it was, you know, it's annoying. I, I'm not, I, actually, it was okay for me, but I do see why people hate that. Um, yeah. But yeah, compared to Star Wars, the whole fucking saga, like the, the third trilogy, I think just fucking sucks. It gets worse the more I think about it, but um, yeah. it just ignores, not just the character, it ignores everything, the lore of the yeah. trilogy. But um, yeah. Uh, but I, I don't want to come down to negative. I, again, I really enjoyed this film, despite the little plot holes here and the little grievances I have there. I, I think it's one of my top five of the year so far. So, um, again, if you have a chance to see it in a big screen, I highly recommend it. It is a big fucking movie, and it's fun. And it ends, potentially, this this saga way better than The Crystal Skull did. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. worth seeing for that. Agreed. Um, all right, well, we can wrap up here. I know Kofi's... <clears throat> Kofi's ready to get I'm out of here. here. Yeah, I gotta go. Um, right, but uh, okay, well, yeah, I mean, that'll do it for this week's episode of Podcast X. Um, you know, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcasting platforms of choice. I am Ben Kendrick. You can follow me at Ben Kendrick on all the social medias, whether that's Threads or Blue Sky or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Um, you can check out what I'm doing over at Static Media. We run. We run a slash film and looper, Mr. Rob Keys. Yeah, you can follow me on Threads at Failcube. I can't change that name. Fuck, I'm stuck with oh, it on man, Instagram. That's crazy, yeah. yeah, they won't. They won't help me out. I'm verified as, as that name now on Instagram and Threads. Yeah, so that's like, super fucked. And on Twitter still for now, Rob underscore Keys is K E Y E S. Check out our shit on ScreenRant.com. Awesome, uh, Kofi Outlaw, special guest. You can find my work over at Comic Book. You can also see me hosting the increasingly popular Comic Book Nation podcast that I do in conjunction with the What Is Podcast X podcast. And uh, I'm out here. So come and join us and have some fun. Awesome. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week, maybe the week after. Um, well, Kofi said you're going on vacation. So maybe in a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys then.